Welcome. I'm Pastor John, and you're listening to the Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene is a Bible-believing church located in York, Pennsylvania. Please be sure to check out our webpage, www.stillnaz.com, for ways to connect, watch, request prayer, and to give. We cannot ignore the past. We must go back in order to go forward. We can break free from the past in order to live in God's love in the present. Through this series, we will explore the life and family of Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Now to the sermon. Here's our lead pastor, Pastor Josh Kleinfeld. Why don't we, um, why don't we take a moment to pray for those in our lives that we know need God to be what we just sang about? And represented in this room is a lot of different families, different neighborhoods, different workplaces, different schools, different networks. And, and out of this room are literally thousands of people. And each one of us, we all have one or two or 10 or 20 people that we're really caring for. And in our hearts, our hearts are heavy for them. There are some people that we all share in common. Annette Horek, right? We've been... Been walking with her. She's been walking with us. These are hard days for her. I think about um, Samantha. I know I can't think of her last name. Samantha's family, she... She passed away by overdose a couple weeks ago, and we had her funeral this week. Left her daughter, Sierra, and her mother, Melody. These are people within our own community. Why don't we take a moment and pray for them? And while I'm praying, why don't you pray for someone that God brings to your mind, someone that needs that miracle work, that way-making work that God does. So... Close our eyes together. Heavenly Father, I there are moments that your care of our existence, including our history. God wants to redeem the mistakes that we have made so that we can become like Him and not keep doing those mistakes in the future. God also wants to redeem the mistakes that have happened to us, the wounds that we've received from others, so that we can receive his healing, and through receiving his healing in the wounds that are particular to us, we can offer grace and consolation to others who might also have wounds like that. John Perkins has this really cool quote um, in this book called A Quiet revolution. It says, one of the really great things about God is that he, that's God, arranges the broken fragments of our lives together in a beautiful mosaic that exhibits his glory. If you are a human being, it is God's will to work through you. That is good news. Our hope in this series is that we would have God's eyes on our life, on our past, 
to realize that the brokenness that is because of us and the brokenness that has happened to us is brokenness that God wants to arrange in a beautiful mosaic for his glory. There is nothing wasted in the life of a Christian. And so when we talk about going back, we're not talking about dwelling in the past like woe is me or I'm an awful person. We're talking about going back to discover that God was there the entire time and has healing for us in the present and moving forward into the future. We're going to be following Jacob's family tree. I have it on there. If you can't see it, you can just Google um, Jacob's family tree or Abraham's family tree. Um, All the way at the top is Abram or Abraham and then his kids, um, Isaac, and then after Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 kids and what happens after them. Um, So, But what's really interesting is in this family tree is a world of brokenness. God, for some reason, chose a perfectly flawed family. And so if you are ever thinking, well, my family is pretty messed up, great. (laughs) That's where God started with Abraham. And that's where God started with Jacob. Okay, and Jacob, um, we meet him today in Genesis 28. And before this moment in Jacob's life, the son of Isaac, we see that a life of competition, a life of trickery, a life of deceit, a life of grabbing things for himself. Literally, the day he was born, as he's coming out of his mother's womb, his twin brother Esau came out first, but Jacob grabs his heels like, I'm coming out too. This is the posture of Jacob, just grabbing, getting his, getting mine. That was his posture. One time Esau, who um, was a hairy dude apparently, um, and also a really skilled hunter, um, Esau was coming home after a hunt and he is hungry, um, some, you ever been hangry? It's, this is the stage that Esau is in. And Esau is the older brother, so that means that he, as the first son, gets the greater part of the inheritance from Isaac. Jacob wants the inheritance. He wants it for himself. And so he knows that his brother comes home hangry, and he's like, I've got to come up with a plan. Ah, I know what I'll do. I'll make some of this red stew. And so Esau comes home and he's like, give me some of that red stuff. And Jacob's like, sure, y'all, you can have some if you give me your birthright. Esau's so hungry. He's like, I don't care about my birthright. All I care about is my food. Give it to me. You got to sell it to me, Jacob says. This is deceit. This is trickery. This is grabbing. This is Jacob. You got to sell it to me. And then Esau's like, all right. He sells him his birthright for a bowl of stew. And then the chapter right before this, um, chapter 27, Esau is sent off on this hunting expedition because Isaac wants to have a blessing ceremony. He wants to, to bless Esau with his blessing. And so he's like, Esau, go get a, go get like the best game and prepare this awesome meal. Rebecca overhears and she says, Jacob, come here. Your dad's blind um, and he wants to bless your brother Esau. I want you to get that blessing. Jacob's like, all right, how am I going to do that? I'm not as hairy as Esau. And Rebecca's like, I got some goat hair that you can put on your skin. 
Okay, that's funny. Um, and so then they do this elaborate deception, this elaborate manipulation, this elaborate trick. Jacob pulls on his dad. Ah. And so here we have Jacob, the stealer, the cheater. Esau, after having his birthright and his blessings stolen, is so mad that he wants to kill his brother. Rebecca's like, I want my son to live. I need to work out a plan for him to leave, to run away. And so here the plan is Jacob is running away. He's avoiding his problems, all the trickery and all the deceit. He's trying to leave behind him. All the problems from that, trying to leave behind him. We come to the middle of nowhere, Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. As we read this story, um, I want us to imagine Jacob in Egypt telling this story to his grandchildren. He's an old man now, and he's learned a few things. He used to be this trickster, but now his name is Israel. And he's wanting to, to impart some wisdom to his grandchildren. So imagine Jacob, elderly Jacob, by a fire, grandsons, granddaughters, sitting there listening. Tell us another one, Grandpa. Imagine Jacob leaning over his staff and saying, Grandchildren, I want you to remember these four things. Grandchildren, you can't outrun God's presence. Kids, you can't outsin God's grace. Kids, you got to know God. You actually can know God, not just about him, but you must claim his promise for yourself. I want to read this passage, and um, where it talks about Jacob, I'm going to pretend to be Jacob, and I'll say I instead of he, okay? So let's imagine Jacob retelling this story as a way to encourage his grandkids. Starting in verse 10 of chapter 28, he's going back in the retelling. He says, I, I left Beersheba and I set out for Haran. And when I reached a certain place, I stopped for the night because the sun had set. And I took one of the stones there and I put it under my head as a pillow and I lay down to sleep. And I had a dream. I had a dream in which I saw a stairway resting on the earth. You know those stairways that are on the sides of the temples, kids? It was like one of those stairways, except it went all the way. The top reached heaven, and angels of God were ascending it and descending on it. Imagine the grandkids. Ooh, hearing that. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said to me, God spoke to me, kids. I am the Lord, the God of your father and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants. He was talking about you, kids. I'll give you the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all peoples, listen to this, kids, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And then listen to what God said. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I won't leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
And when I woke from my sleep, I thought, oh my gosh, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. I was so afraid, and I said, how awesome, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so early the next morning, I took that stone I used as a pillow, and I set it up as a pillar, and I poured oil on top of it, and I called that place Bethel, you know, because that means house of God, though it used to be called Luz. Then I made a vow. You see, kids? If God was going to say this to me, I wanted to, I wanted to commit myself to him. And so I said, if God is going to be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I'm taken and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, God, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of God for us today. Can somebody say thanks be to God? I don't think Jacob said that to his grandkids, but uh, we can say that today. Here's what I want us to think about today. You cannot outrun God's presence. You cannot outsin God's grace. You can actually know God, not just about him, but you must claim his promise for yourself. Jacob was on the run from his family, but he couldn't outrun God's presence. He had deceived his dad and stolen the blessing that belonged to his brother, but he couldn't outrun God's presence. He was running from the problems he had created, but he couldn't outrun God's presence. He was running for his life, but he couldn't outrun God's presence. Even in his sleep, he couldn't escape. God's presence. The psalmist talks about, if I go to the top of the mountains, you're there. If I go to the the lowest depths, you are there. This is a very important moment in religious history because um, for some, and people still believe this, that there's this belief that you have to be in a particular place in order to experience the particular God of that place. You've got to go to the temple or you've got to go to the church building in order to experience God. But this is blowing that up. It's saying, no, 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 no. The temple of God is look around you right there. Wherever you are, the presence of the transformative, creative God, the one who chases us down with his love is right there. There is no place you can go to escape him. And because we are people of the New Testament, people who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we know that where God is, their love is, because we know that God is love. So you cannot outrun his love, which then takes us to this next point. You can't out sin God's grace. Have you ever thought, well, that one, that sin, or that sinner is too much? You know anybody who says, well, Josh, you don't know what I did. God could never, like, love me through that. You ever talked to someone and had that kind of conversation with someone? 
This, this point that is being made right here is, is that Jacob is an absolute trickster, a thief, like the black sheep you don't really want in your house, but God is chasing him down. He can't out God's grace. God still has a promise for him, and he wakes him up in the middle of the night, and he gives this incredible promise to a trickster and a con man. He can't out his grace. And I love this. You can actually know God, not just about him. I, I love that moment when Jacob woke up from his sleep and he's like, surely God is in this place and I didn't even know it. How awesome this is. Up to this point, Jacob had only heard about God. He had even used the name of God when he was tricking his dad. Because his dad was like, how'd you get this game so fast? And he's like, oh, the Lord God gave me success, which he used to cover up his lying. So he knew about God. He even knew how to use the name of God for his own purposes. But he didn't actually know God. And here's God. He's like, I am the Lord. And he, that the Lord is the Yahweh, which means I am. I am the I am. I am the one who will be. God introduces himself to Jacob. This is the good news of our creator. He wants us to know him personally. He doesn't want us just to have a catalog of facts that we can repeat about him. He wants to get personal with each of us. But if we want to get personal with him, we must claim his promise for ourselves. I love in verse 20 where Jacob makes a vow and he says, if God's going to be with me, if he's going to watch over me so that um, on this journey I'll have what I need, um, then he will be my God. It is in this moment that Jacob moves from just knowing about God through his dad and granddad to actually committing to the Lord God himself. Just because you're in a Christian home or go to church or read your Bible every day does not mean that you've experienced the genuine transforming power of God. Jacob grew up in a house. His dad had experienced the powerful presence of God. But just because Isaac had did not mean that Jacob had at that point. But a lot of times we get this in our head that if I... If I just do the religious things, that's what I need to do. But here's what God says. No, 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 I want you to know me. I want you to actually experience me. And just because your dad had faith or just because you show up in a place where there's other people who have faith or you're in a nation that claims to originally have started because of faith does not mean that you yourself actually have a relationship with God. You must claim the truth about God for yourself. And Jacob took this experience and he made a vow. He says, I'm in. You're my God. I'm going to receive your words and I'm going to give you my words in response. Thank you for your promise. And now here's my promise back. You know, as Christians, we have a fuller revelation of God than Jacob had. 
right? Jacob, he was the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus who actually was the fullest revelation of God. All the truths that Jacob experienced here are true in Jesus. Jesus showed, right, you can't outrun God's presence. Jesus, when he died, we believe actually went to hell. There is not a place in all of existence where Jesus did not go. You cannot outrun his presence. You can't outsin his grace. Jesus died for all all sin. We're talking sins before him and sins after him. We're talking about sins that none of us really even want to think about. We're talking about every single sin that you have done in your life. Jesus came, paid the price for your sin. Oh my gosh. So you can't out sin his grace. His grace is bigger still. And this is so cool. You can actually know God. You know the people who know God, right? When you're around them, they have this sense of presence. We, this, my friends, is so cool. We get to know him. But we must choose him above anything else. We must join him when he says, the Lord will be my God. Is Jesus your God? Is he your sole pursuit? Is he the thing that consumes you? Is he what you are chasing? Or are you chasing something less? Are you living a grabbing life and you manipulating your situation so it will always advantage you? Or are you giving in the self-giving love that Jesus shows us that we can too? Listen to what Paul says about what happens when we choose Christ for ourselves. Turn to Romans 8, 14 through 17. Romans 8, chapter 14 through 17, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are now children of God. And the Spirit that you've received... When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, the Spirit doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again, like what Randy was praying about earlier, but rather the Spirit received brings about your adoption as sons and daughters of God. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself within us, with our spirit, testifies that we are God's kids. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. We get to inherit what God has for us, and we are co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In Christ, we get his constant presence. In Christ, we get freedom from fear, and in Christ, we get a new family. Because we have his constant presence, we... We can actually revisit our past, the mistakes that we've made, the mistakes that were done to us with his presence and look at those things with his guidance and realize that we are not bound to those mistakes that we did or those mistakes that happened to us, but we are free in his love to live in his love in the presence or in the present. A lot of times people don't want to look at their past because it's really painful, and there's a spirit of fear. I can't, I can't I, no, no, no. 
listen. The spirit that you have within you, if you've said yes to Jesus, makes it so you're not slave to fear anymore. You're, you're God's kid now. You belong in this family, and as a Christian, you have the constant embrace of the Father so that even if in your past you abandoned others, God never abandoned you, and even if you were abandoned, he never left you, right? So let's take a moment to think about this. Pastor John, if you could come up. Surely God is in this place. And knowing that he is with us, knowing that he arranges the broken fragments of our lives together in a beautiful mosaic that exhibits his glory, knowing that, knowing that Jacob had to share this story, right? In order for us to hear it, he had to retell this story to his kids who told their kids, who told all the way down to us. Jacob did not cover up his sin. He actually let that part of his story be retold. And because of that, we know that transformation came about. His mistakes now serve as an example for us to not repeat. Jesus is the only one who lived the perfect life. And so we look at Jesus as the example to follow. And we look at the people in scripture as like, okay, let's not do that. But let's think about the mistakes in our own lives, the things that we have done that have hurt ourselves, that have hurt others, that have... And with with the power of the Holy Spirit, Ask yourself this question. What mistake in my life can God use for his glory? Now, this is a trick question because there's nothing that he can't use for his glory. But I just want you to think through your your own life. This is not to revisit or feel bad. This is to realize that God's redemption envelops all of our existence. So what mistakes in your life can God use for his glory? I want you to talk to him about that. I want you to say, God, I I see that mistake, and I'm not sure how you can use that, but I want to offer it to you. I I want your, your help so that if it's, a, if it's a mistake in the past that, I'm, that no longer affects now, that I can learn um, how to help others with it. Or if it's a mistake that happened this week, God, maybe it's something that I need to go back and, and I need to repair in my, in my own home or in my own workplace. God, how do you want to use this mistake for your glory? I surrender it to you. gospel is this. You cannot outrun his presence. You cannot outsin his grace. Your greatest sin is still smaller than his love for you. And the next question 
Jacob had to share this Bethel moment with his grandkids. And I'm sure it was an encouragement to them and as it's an encouragement to us. What moments in your life have you experienced the presence of God the way Jacob did? That perhaps God can use as an encouragement to others today. I want you to think back to to moments where you um, have just been like, oh my gosh, God is in this space. And just thank God for those moments. question that's not on the screen. If you could just go to the title slide with your eyes closed and recognizing that you're like literally in the presence of God. He's sitting beside you. Have you? Have you totally surrendered? Have you given your life to him? Have you made a vow to follow him? Listen, he wants to take your messed up life, and it is messed up. You may think it's awesome, but actually, like when you look at it in comparison to the awesomeness of God, it is messed up. He wants to take that life and use it as a beautiful mosaic for his glory. When he rearranges our life for his glory, it becomes for the good of the world. So have you said yes? Jesus comes to you and he says, follow me. Have you said yes to him? What what Jesus said when he came is he said, repent and believe the good news. Repenting is turning from our old ways. Jacob needed to turn from his trickster, grabby life What do you need to turn from to follow him? Tell that to him. Say, Jesus, I need to turn from this and follow you completely. Make a vow like Jacob. Say, right here, you will be my God in every part of my life. I repent. With your eyes closed, I just... Something that's been encouraging me is in my own quiet time, I've just imagined Jesus sitting beside me, looking at me, and then me looking back at him. I just want you in your own, in your own heart to just realize and recognize he is beside you. Talk to him right now. You're so good. You're so kind. I thank you in my own life for helping me. Even when I've tried to avoid the problems, you, you come to me gently, right? You wake me up and you're like, hey, buddy, I'm God. You're not. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to be a grabber. You don't have to be a cheater. You don't have to be a manipulator. Trust me to provide. I will. Jesus, I'm sorry for those times that, I, that like, I, I've just ignored that. 
Help us be a community who live like Jacob, aware that you are in this place, whether it's at Wise or at the nursing home or on the street or um, on the ball field. That's the house of God. And as Jacob passed this story down the generations, help us allow the mistakes of our own lives to be an encouragement to others. As Jacob retold the Bethel story to his kids and his grandkids, help us share our Bethel moments as moments of encouragement to inspire and raise up faith. And God, for those who prayed, who turned from sin and turned to you today, encourage them and strengthen them in their walk. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Amen. Listen, if, um, if you did make a decision today and you'd like us to follow up, you can go um, online. You can, if you're online, hi. Um, you can go to the I'm new button and fill out the form there. We'd like to connect with you. If you want to stay in your seat and someone have someone pray with you, stay in your seat after, and after the ushers, um, send everybody out. We'll pray with you. But here's, here's some homework for this week. With your friends or with your family or with your small group, would you share a Bethel moment with them? Would you share a moment where God was so big to you? You were like, oh my goodness, God is in this place. Your Bethel moments are not just for you. Imagine if Jacob had never told this story to anyone. Here's another piece of homework. Share with your family or small group or a trusted friend a, a mistake in your past that God can use for his glory. Sometimes it's important to remind ourselves we're not perfect, and those around us, they know. <laughs> um, but it's good for them to know we know we're not perfect, but also to say, this is how God has helped me with the mistakes that I have made. And now would you stand for the blessing? I'm, I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready to to dismiss. And again, if you want to stay for someone to pray with you, just stay in your seat. Um, and after the blessing, our ushers will dismiss, kind of like we're at a wedding as we prepare for the next service. Here's the blessing. When you wake up in the morning, may you know you're in the house of God. When you put your head down at night, may you know you're in the house of God. As you're exercising, may you know you cannot outpace his presence. And when you make a mistake, may you know that you cannot outsin his grace. May you know him for yourself, not just about him. And may others experience his blessing through you. Go in his transforming peace this week. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Still Meadow Sermon Podcast. Again, please click over to our website, www.stillnaz.com. 
If you have a prayer request, you can go directly to stillnaz.com prayer. If you want to connect with people at Still Meadow, go to stillnaz.com connect. If you want to support Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene financially, go to stillnaz.com give. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be here again next week.